a high short kick that is going to come up and bounce at the 20. Rutgers has a chance to recover it, and they do! What a play by the Scarlet Knights! Get it to Harper with three, with two, with one. Harper for the win! Got it! Down and 10 at the 21. Wimson hands it off. It's Benunga getting to the corner left. 20, 15, catching to 10. Benunga down near the goal line. He is in! Touchdown, Rutgers! Now with six. Baker making his move with five. Step back three for the lead. Yeah! With one Happy Monday here at the Scarlet Faithful. Aaron Breitman wanted to give some day after thoughts following Rutgers' disappointing kind of postseason crushing loss to Maryland at home by 17 points. The bottom fell out. And of course, there's going to be reactions and, and big picture takes, all types of things online. Um, and I just wanted to kind of take a step back, talk about some things from the game, and just kind of talk about some things perspective-wise with the program. And, you know, it's funny. My rapid reactions, I sometimes I feel like people want me to have every single thought that's possible in them. And I'm going off the cuff. It's one take. And, uh, and I'm not saying this in response to any criticism or anything. It's just in terms of how I see the comments sometimes, uh, it, it's uh, – I'm still, I'm, it's a, it's a rapid process, right? And then I'm processing things throughout the day and the night, you know, this morning. And, and that's why I kind of wanted to follow up because uh, one thing in particular, you know, and I say, you know, a lot, by the way, just because I'm, I'm shooting from the hip, you know, I'm talking from the heart. I don't rehearse this. I don't write it out. I don't even, I, I do a little bit of an outline. I got a, you know, little post-it note here with some notes script on there, but um I guess you could say my production value could always be better. Um, but I don't worry about the editing process as much. I, I try to tweak and, and, and fine tune it, but I'm all about the content and the message. And I always want to improve and get better polished work out there. So I'm working on my mannerisms, my speech, all that. And I appreciate kind of tips and feedback along the way, but this is a passion for me because I bleed Rutgers athletics and I bleed Rutgers basketball. I bleed Rutgers football. I have since I was a kid when I was a single digit youngster and I speak it, speak from the heart in terms of how I feel about the programs and what's happening. Now at the same time, I try to be objective and give analysis and what I think is happening. So, in terms of yesterday, you know, and the offensive struggles in general, um, with Rutgers basketball, it's it's very frustrating. And I harped on it yesterday. You know, a lot of people have focused on it being such a poor shooting team, and it is. It's correct. But I try to, to look at it more than that. Is Why are they such poor shooters? Is it a talent thing? Is it a scheme thing? Uh, is it a, uh execution thing? I mean, in all of it, is part of that, right? But I think what's been most disappointing for me is to see the team force things at times and become unglued offensively. And I think that it really does lead to not having a true floor general. 
you know, and, and Jeremiah Williams certainly impacted things in a very positive way his first four games, and he's played well overall, you know. Um, but he, in my mind, isn't he's not a true point guard in the sense of like a natural point guard. Um, he is an unselfish player, distributor, but he also relies a lot on catch and go and attack the basket. And for those that say that, you know, I think in terms of yesterday, I think you saw how we talked about how big 10 teams can adjust. And I think you saw Kevin Willard adjust with Maryland. You know, he got beat by Jeremiah Williams driving to the rim and making a layup less than 30 seconds ago. And that's, that was the ultimate, that's what the nail in the coffin was at college park. So he did everything in his power to prevent Jeremiah Williams from getting downhill uh, and we saw that against Minnesota produce some too, where teams are taking away the high pick and roll. They're trying to close off driving lanes and they're forcing Rutgers into either double teams once they get into the paint or forcing contested shots. And Rutgers is not adjusted. And who does that fall on? Well, I mean, ultimately, yeah. I mean, Steve Peichel, he hasn't gotten – the most out of this team. I think that's fair to say. Now, at the same time, it's unfair to not talk about the dynamic in which the roster was constructed and the way things have fallen, just in terms of injuries. Uh, and listen, when you're starting backcourt leaves in June, between Cam Spencer leaving in May, Paul Mokey leaving in June, you're adding a lot of parts that have potential but you're adding a lot of parts together with some existing parts and it hasn't worked as effectively as it needed to for Rutgers to be, to reach its ceiling this year. So yes, ultimately, I mean, that is the failure of the head coach. Um, but I think what you're seeing is that the reason you see breakdowns offensively uh, and a lack of discipline at times, right? Not having patience, to spread the floor, proper spacing, reversing the ball, sharing the ball, making the extra pass, because you don't have a true floor general out there. And Paul Mokehi was not a traditional point guard, but he did, he was a pass first player. And I think what has happened this year is you have a lot of guards that are trying to make things happen. They, they, they have the, the right intent but there's a lack of patience at times, forcing shots. You know, and I thought the big thing for me against Maryland was that you were doing what Maryland wanted you to do. You went into the teeth of the defense. And there wasn't a proper adjustment. There was a little bit of an adjustment in the second half, and Jeremiah Williams, when he got going a little bit, uh, you saw that they were able to get him downhill. Um you know, the zone threw them off. I don't, I didn't think, you know, the way they were attacking it made a lot of sense at times. And, and again, it's, it's, um, you don't have one guy out there running the offense and the positive, right. Is looking at next season is Dylan Harper is that guy. That is exactly what you need aside from the star ratings and the hype and all that, like that's his bread and butter. And, you know, you're talking about a top three recruit nationally 
that on Team USA, the FIBA World Cup U19, you know, he led Team USA in assists. He was top five in the UIBL in assists. And this is a guy, you know, that that can certainly shoot and score, but he's going to make Rutgers so much better. And the talk of an offensive coordinator and all this stuff, like, yes, having a full evaluation of what didn't work with the offense, what has to change schematically, that, that's really important moving forward. But at the same time, having the right personnel, right? Because if, if you think that Rutgers doesn't run offensive sets, it's, that's just not true. And there's plenty of film breakdowns out there by, by better people than me that, that have, that highlight these. Joe Jackson, by the way, is one. You should check out his work, but he, he breaks down Rutgers sets all the time. Um, but it's a matter of execution and seeing sets through, right? And that is lacking at times this season. And it's shot selection. That's a big part of it. It's not just that they're shooting poorly. It's the shots they're taking. And, and everybody laments missing layups, and that is certainly an issue. Um, but it's also how you're getting the layup attempts. Are you getting them in transition? Are you are you, are you attacking the rim at, at, at two defenders? Um, you know, are you coming off a screen? Uh, it all all goes into it, and I think that there should be reason for optimism that if, if all the schemes stay the same, that Rutgers is going to be better equipped as an offense, a with Dylan Harper next year. And the, and the second part is, is, is shot makers, right? So that's going to be a big piece of the puzzle. Ace Bailey's, you know, can, can shoot from all phases. Um, but you need more three point shooting in this modern day of college basketball. And Rutgers has struggled from that point of the floor. And that also gives you that that depth of your offense helps open up things inside. You know, Cliff, there's criticism of Cliff and said that he's regressed. I actually don't think he's regressed more as he's lost playmakers around him that knew how to get him the ball. But I also think he has developed. He's developed in all the areas he was good at, he's gotten better. But the areas that he lacked in, he hasn't really gotten better. And it's been complicated by the fact that players that knew how to get him the ball in spots that he were was effective and is effective in has been less so this year. So I think that's a big part of it. I also think, you know, it's possible. I mean, he, he's, I think he's, he's, he's running with some wear and tear right now. Uh, and both mentally and physically. So, you know, it's a different thing when you're the third or fourth best player on the team and then you're the best player on the team. And it's not easy for everyone to make that adjustment. And, you know, I think Watt Mag with Cliff, they're a dynamic duo defensively. And, you know, Cliff hasn't had Mag there consistently and this team hasn't had Mag there consistently. And that's not a, a, a criticism of Mag. Uh, that's just the reality of the situation with his recovery and with his kind of um, ongoing uh, issues in terms of his availability. And uh, that has certainly been a factor. So if you can't acknowledge that as a factor, then that's just not being fair too. 
Um, and while they have increased the tempo this year, you could tell that the team isn't fully used to it, or I guess you could say experienced with it in terms of the production they've gotten from it finishing in transition sharing it in transition looking for shooters that are trailing having trailers um you know and this is something with increased talent better athletes that this is a coachable thing that they could take advantage of and i think that is a key thing for the offense moving forward is that you know not like this offense nothing comes easy there are no easy baskets uh I don't consider second chance points easy baskets because you're fighting for rebounds, offensive rebounds, which is not easy. And then putbacks. And, you know, it's not always the way second chance points are. Right? You get the offensive rebound, you kick it out, you swing it, you hit the three, hit the shot, whatever. But I don't consider those easy baskets. Um, the only thing they get is, you know, breakaway steals that they're able to lay it in. And while they do a good job of that and they get a lot of steals as a defense, um, you know, Rutgers needs to have better motion in their offense in their half court. Uh, they have to have a better uh, finishing in their transition. And all of those things can come. Again, it's a lot of parts you're trying to fit in the same wheel that just haven't completely fit. And we see the result now. They bottomed out with that 46%, excuse me, 46 point performance against Maryland, similarly to Penn State. And just wanted to look real quick in terms of their efficiency, in terms of offensive efficiency for Rutgers. And in terms of offensive efficiency, the Maryland game was the second worst of the season not as poor as the Penn State game, but pretty close. And that certainly passes the eye test in terms of what we all watched. The free throw situation, I harped on in my reaction. I thought that them missing those three one-on-ones in the first half really hurt them, would have allowed them to get within single digits and you know maybe within five at halftime. Who knows how the tone of the game would have changed from there. Uh, and Pike actually mentioned his post game as well as a big issue, missing free throws in the first half. And the, the home road splits are unbelievable. Uh, shout out to uh, Ellis Gordon uh, of uh, Rutgers student. He does everything. Um, Targum and RSU. But he tweeted uh, that they're shooting 61.2% from the free throw line at home, which would make them second worst in the nation. But they're shooting... 78.9% from the free throw line when playing away from home, which would make them 10th best in the country. And then Jordan Ozer, who is uh, athletic communications for Rutgers basketball, chimed in. The sample size part of it is also interesting. They shoot 15.4 free throws in true road games, as opposed to attempting 24.7 free throws per game at home. 24.7 free throw attempts at home would be ninth nationally and in terms of overall. And then the 15.4 attempts on the road, that's 331st nationally. So the whole free throw thing, I mean, it's not a surprise. Rutgers 
doesn't get a ton of free throws on the road, gets more at home. I thought one thing they did poorly against Maryland was not get to the line nearly enough. But finishing on the road and not at home is kind of one of those bizarre things. I think maybe fans need to start making a lot of noise at home. I don't know. But that's an interesting tidbit that they need to be much more consistent, obviously. And they've shown the ability to knock down free throws, but not in a consistent way. And that's, I think, with everything. Threes, you know, good offense, good team basketball. They've done it for stretches at times throughout the season, but the consistency has not been there. And that's what this program needs to build on and get there because the defense year to year has more or less been consistent. Uh, rebounding is kind of fluctuated here and there, but defense has always been there. They can rely on that. The offense has to take a huge step up and there has to be consistency there. And that is a huge task for Steve Peichel in this off season um, in terms of how he approaches things, uh, whether it's, you know, a, a new offensive philosophy, which I do not think will happen um, evaluating schemes or just, understanding how to get the most out of the players that he's going to have on the roster. And that's a whole nother discussion that we'll have after the season, obviously going to have to build this roster uh, and add some key pieces to the transfer portal, in my opinion. Um, but in terms of kind of my overall key point here is that while it's very disappointing how this season is turning out, and, you know, I, I take – I own up to this. You know, I, I was too optimistic. Uh, but I think it all leads to the faith, at least that I have, in Steve Peichel as the leader of this program. And I think if, you know, a lot of fans that are upset right now, you know, and I said this previously, I mean, the standard should be NCAA tournament for this program every year, right? Now there's going to be circumstances year after year that impact that. But there's still – I don't think that that expectation should lower. Um but at the same time, I think expectations are what they are now because of Steve Feichel, because of what he's done with this program. And, you know, I know that people get upset with the whole idea of, oh, you, you can't bring, you know, when, when the argument is, well, look how far Steve Feichel's brought the program. Well, you can't bring that up. That was eight years ago. Well, I mean, context is everything. And, and there's different contexts within arguments and conversations. And, you know, if you want to talk about the last three years, sure. You know, 2021 to 2022, you know, they lost in that round of 68 game. They they just snuck in. They had some really disappointing losses that year. With the group that they had, that was a disappointment. You know, they it was it was still met the standard, but it was a disappointment in terms of what I think that team could have been. Last year, they were on track to have its best season. Michael called it his best team. Moat Maga hurt, tough circumstances. I said last year, I thought that the staff should have adjust, adjusted quicker with how they, their offensive game plan, Derek Simpson getting more minutes, becoming that creator, which by the way, you know, I think Derek Simpson, when he is on his game, Rutgers is at another level. And when he's not, they're not. And I think that that, you know, and that's not to blame him. That's just the reality in terms of, I think, how the season's gone. And how his career has gone. When he has played to the best of his abilities, Rutgers has been at times, I mean, very hard to beat. I don't say unbeatable, but uh, he can elevate things to a really high level. And I think it's just about finding how to get that closer or, or more so out of him on a regular basis than is happening. In terms of 
how last season finished, obviously a huge disappointment. That Minnesota game will take to the grave. And they fall just short. So I would say, yeah, the last two seasons ended in disappointment in terms of where we thought those teams could be and finish ultimately. This season, again, expectations were maybe unfairly high for the first time because of the expectations prior uh, and the faith in Pykele. Right, I, I think I don't think that's an indictment. I think that that's a positive, and people maybe forget that sometimes in terms of how you criticize him and say, uh, you know, that uh, he hasn't. Uh, he's been a disappointment of late or whatnot. Uh, and I think that, you know, I don't need to justify why he's not on the hot seat, other than to say that people that are saying this online. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but I, I don't. That, that there is context there, right? In terms of where he's brought the program, but also raising the expectations he has, the argument that, okay, there's more resources now. Yeah, but, you know, he championed a lot of those. And in conjunction with, with Pat Hobbs and, and obviously Rutgers joining the Big Ten, they finally figured it out. Um, but recruiting has elevated in a way, and it's been, it's been, you know, a steady climb. It hasn't been rapid. But to have the class they have now coming in with Dylan Harper, Ace Bailey, Nathan Somerville, uh, obviously uh, Bryce Dorch and Dylan Grant as well. It's a top 10 class nationally unanimously, probably finished top five. Um, I hate to break the news, but they're not coming to Rutgers solely for Rutgers. They're coming because Steve Peichel is the head coach, because they believe in Steve Peichel and what he's built with this program. And they want to be key pieces in moving things forward. And that goes for even Dylan and Ace, who I, I've seen comments, you know, people upset that they, they, they're going to be one and dones. I mean, that, that's just the reality of high-level elite prospects in this day and age. And the fact that they want to spend that one year at Rutgers when they could go anywhere, and it could be, honestly, a lot easier for them going a lot of other places. You know, they're putting the pressure on themselves to come to Rutgers and make a huge difference. And the pressure is going to be crazy next year. And I've hinted that already, and I want to talk about it a lot this offseason, but that's going to be a huge part of managing this program and this team next year for Steve Peichel, and that's going to be a huge adjustment. But all of the disappointment that there is right now has come from success and happiness and raising the bar and I've talked about this when I used to write, you know, I used to write this all the time. It was not all the time, but um, when you get to a certain level, your season will always end in disappointment because expectations are high. When you become a, a winning program, a successful program, every season ends in disappointment unless you win the national championship. And, you know, Rutgers is certainly at that point. And, and, and this season, you know, they're not going to make the NCAA tournament unless there's some miraculous Big Ten tournament run. Hopefully they can still scratch and claw their way to the NIT. They might not. You could argue would there be an advantage of just not making the postseason and having a chance to just start rebuilding right away. I think you can make that argument, but I haven't given up on this team. I think the toll of the season has, has the, the, the physical, the mental, it's worn on this team. And this is a big test now for Pykele the rest of the season is can they get back off the mat again? They got off the mat once when Jeremiah Williams came back. Can he get this team back off the mat now? 
after that Purdue loss, they were not able to do that against Maryland, you know, and uh, it wasn't just a matter of poor offense. You know, they didn't have their, 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 their mojo, you know, they, they weren't beating Maryland to, to lose balls. Uh, they played fine defense. They didn't play Rutgers defense, which is elite. And can he get that back out of these guys before the season's over? Or is it just going to be kind of a domino poor stretch down, down, down to the end? We'll see. But it's a huge, uh, huge test for Pykel now the rest of this season. And now rebuilding for the following season. But I think it's important to remember that all of these expectations, uh, all of these hopes, all of these disappointments, it all comes from Steve Peichel turning Rutgers around and making them a credible, relevant program. And can he take it to an elite level? It remains to be seen. It's fair to question it. I think the whole extreme thing online with people being extremely positive or extremely negative. I mean, it's the reality is in the middle, right? There's good and bad everywhere. And, 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 every situation. And, um, you know, there's things that have happened that have, that have been really positive and there's things that, you know, haven't been so positive. And at the end of the day, I think it comes down to believing in the coach that got us here, that he can figure it out. You know, his, his, his rise has not been as fast as Jim Calhoun at UConn, but there is some parallels to their tenures uh, in the beginning. Uh, meaning first decade. And I think that it's very possible we'll be looking back on this time period as kind of where the program was kind of in a standstill and trying to get over the hump, right? It's, it's, it's to, to, to a consistently very good program. And I think doubting that they can do that. I mean, it's, listen, doubts are always going to be there, right? Uh, it's fair when there's disappointment and setbacks, but at the same time, let's not forget the successes that got Rutgers to this point that can get Rutgers over that hump too. And I think the foundation is really solid. Um, do I have anything else to say? I think that overall, This is, this is going to be, you know, I think intrigue is still at an all-time high, despite this season potentially ending in disappointment. Um, you know, Rutgers basketball is relevant, and there's a lot of people tuned in. And, and whether you're happy or you, you want to burn down the burn, – burn, burn, burn everything down, you're invested in the program. And that was not always the case. So setbacks are part of it, you know, and this season's looking like it's going to end in disappointment. But it's not over yet either. So don't give up. On this team, there's a lot of positives that can still happen. Gavin Griffiths, Jermichael Davis, two freshmen that have played a lot of minutes this year. How, how do they finish this year? How do some of the older players finish out? What does this team have left as a, as a team? You know, can they pull themselves off the mat? How does Pykele handle it? There's there's a lot there's a lot still to be drawn from this season. So just remember for that and uh this was more of like a ramble i don't know if it made sense but um just to clarify where i come from and and, and why i believe in this team and this program is you know those of us that those of you that are as old as i am or older have seen it all 
or more more so. And where things are are certainly not, you know, if you want you want to look at the program as a whole, you know, rock bottom. It's no, we're not rock bottom. Things can always be better. We want things to be better. Expectations warrant that they should be better. But this is not the dark days of Rutgers basketball that many of us went through. And the instant or extreme, you know, always wanting the best, it's just not reality. And Steve Peichel is not a perfect coach. This is not a perfect program. Where he goes from here in terms of finishing out the season and then rebuilding the program for next season, if you're not hooked, if you're not on the edge of your seat, I don't know what to tell you. Thank you for listening and watching the Scarlet Faithful podcast once again.